Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I am your host, Aaron. And joining me are my co-hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. And last time we talked, we were discussing viruses for the second time around. I believe this is the last time we will have to discuss viruses. Yes. Last episode on viruses. Because the next episode, we're going to discuss zero. Until Capcom releases more viruses. (sighs) (laughs) We'll recap those when they come. Well... There's one question we haven't asked. What is your favorite character? What do you think, Ariel? Well, for the people that have been listening, I'm sure already know that Leon (laughs) Kennedy is my favorite. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Well, Resident Evil 4 was the first Resident Evil I really played. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I fell in love with Leon as a character, and it hasn't changed since then. Oh boy. What about you, Daniel? So I would say my favorite character is actually going to be Rebecca Chambers. Why Rebecca? Um, well, she I didn't follow her too much in Zero, of course, but where she really shone for me was in Caliban Cove, the novel, because that was mostly about her. So Okay, yeah, I could see that. And then it's she's kind of good in Resident Evil 5 in the multiplayer. So <laughs> I'd have to say for me, it would be Chris Redfield. Because for me, Chris has shown the most character growth throughout the series. And he punches boulders. And he punches boulders. So the strongest (laughs) character in the games. Right. With all those questions answered, let's dive on into our viruses. And I believe Ariel has our first. I do not. Shocker. No shocker. It's Daniel. All right. So what we're actually going to cover is not necessarily a virus, but more of a fungus. Oh? Yes, so this is the Mega Megamyceti, however you want to pronounce it. Okay. You gonna correct me? Megamycete? Or that. I think, I don't know. <laughs> so it's otherwise known as a fungal root. Okay. Is the core of a mold super colony. Fungal roots operate as an essential entity within these colonies and are where copies of organisms consciousnesses are stored at least two fungal roots are known to have existed the first lay beneath an ancient megalith called the ceremony site and was worshipped as the black god while the second was formed in 2014 in a second super colony in Louisiana ooh we know where that one is perhaps yeah Louisiana oh my gosh (laughs) yeah in 2000 uh, 14. <laughs> Just said that. So the history of the Black God, which is one of the fungal roots, how ancient this organism was is unknown as well as how it came to be. What is known is that it has consumed the bodies of many people buried in the area by the time of its modern discovery in 1919 by Miranda, as well as stored and preserved their consciousnesses into itself. So it's basically like um, hive mind. Yes, exactly. 
After a century of planning, in 2021, the fungus roots' exponential growth was triggered and it began consuming the village that it was around, absorbing the DNA of any organism it came across so it could create replicas. Okay. The colony was finally destroyed when a powerful explosive device was planted at its core and detonated. This caused all the fungus colony, as well as, in, as its infected victims, to die out. No, this was in the past. No, this was in 2021. So, Oh, so te- this is the newest game. Technically this year. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Louisiana Fungal Root. A fungal root was also created in Dolby Parish, Louisiana, when a mold-contaminated oil tanker, the Annabelle, was swept inland during a hurricane in October 2014. Over the next three years, the super colony spread for miles beneath the swampland, into houses, and into a salt mine. The conscious minds of those contaminated by the mold, regardless of distance, were ultimately duplicated and stored within this fungal root for later. This route was likely destroyed as part of the BSAA's sterilization of the area. There's more to it, but that involves the game. Yep, that's Discussing 7. And... So partially with the first route, there is thought... There is a crystalline-covered cavern, which remains a fungal route, which could potentially be the first one. Um... It's unverified whether it is actually the super colony's first fungal root or simply a dead part of it. And it's still unknown to this day. So, and then last part for the mold, the mice, can't say it, the fungal root. The mold's most noteworthy trait is its ability to absorb the genetics of its victims as well as their consciousness and store it within itself. This allowed the mold to imprint knowledge of the consciousness stored within the fungal root onto a host it has symbiotically bonded with. Both Brother Miranda and Ethan Winters were in direct contact with the conscious minds archived in their respective roots. In its external appearance, the Black God took the form of a human fetus. Okay. And that's all I've got currently on that one. Okay. And I believe Ariel has our next virus. Nope. No? I'm just kidding, I do. Ugh. Go. All right, I have the C virus. Ooh. The C virus, or chrysalid virus, is a family of viruses that were created by the family. Oh? As a next generation bioweapon. With a genome containing genes from T. Veronica and Golgotha virus, the C virus was able to both preserve some degree of intelligence in mutants and revive the dead and induce violent mutation in hosts. Oh, wow. A vaccine was created in 2013, ending its reliability as a weapon. So... The C-Virus Project was the brainchild of Derek Simmons, a senior American civil servant and head of the family, a fraternity with wealthy connections. Simmons believed that the use of bioweapons in warfare was an inevitability, and with the U.S. refusing to continue its own bioweapons development after the 1998 Raccoon City destruction incident, 
had the family privately fund its own research on their behalf. The C-Virus project itself was led by Dr. Carla Rodimus? Yeah, Rodimus. Okay. A child prodigy scouted by the Simmons Foundation immediately after graduation. Dr. Rodimus was quickly assigned to a family laboratory and became influential in its viral and bioorganic weapon projects. Though some degree of research took place since 1999, the C-Virus project itself started sometime in 2001 and went through considerable alterations. Working on a variant of progenitor virus, or T-Virus, the C-Virus prototype was altered with the splicing of genes extracted from T. veronica. The virus was acquired by Simmons probably in 2002 from the recovery of Manuela Hidalgo. The T02 strain, as it was called, was found to preserve much of the intelligence of a human mutant. With access to Sherry Birkin, Simmons provided Dr. Rodimus with a sample of Golgotha to alter this new contagion further. Over the next several years, Dr. Rodimus created a number of strains that would induce more specific mutations in humans. This method of creating BOWs was vastly different from Umbrella's T-Virus project, which used cloning methods to replicate successful BOWs. By splicing DNA from a particular individual into the C-Virus, a strain could be created that would turn others into duplicates. Using the massive resources available to the family, tens of thousands of people were abducted and used as test subjects for the project. Wasn't that great? Yeah. One such sub-project was the creation of a doppelganger to Ada Wong. Oh? A woman Simmons had fallen in love with sometime in the 1990s. Having a sample of her DNA, a C-virus strain with her genes, was tested 12,235 times. Holy cow. Talk about obsession. Right? Until Dr. Radimus herself was forcibly used as a test subject, each one before became a deformed mutant with only vaguely feminine attributes. This project officially came to a close on the 30th of April, 2009, with Dr. Radimus as a successful subject. The attempt to clone Wong also birthed other projects, like Lepotica. While accounts differ as to its exact origins, it would appear the strain was an offshoot of this attempt and was later used by Dr. Radimus in 2012 to infect Nanan Yoshihara during a test at the Marhawa School. A sample was taken from Yoshihara after her death, which, with further alteration, was completed in time for the mid-2013 attacks. As seen during the attacks in Edonia and Lanxiang, Lanxiang? And using the... Oh my god, these words are awful. <laughs> using the Javo and Neo Umbrella's ranks... Dr. Rodimus' research resulted in the creation of a number of viral strains equally useful in BOW production. Following the acquisition of Jake, Mo- Jake Mueller 
In December 2012, six months of research at a facility in Lang Lanxiang resulted in the creation of the enhanced C virus. Whereas the viral strains designed to create BOWs were known to halt mutations upon achieving a complete mutation stage of development, this strain effectively made mutation the standard response to severe injury, allowing an organism to mutate into more powerful forms so long as they were still alive. Only three known samples of this virus were created and mutated Simmons. Dr. Radimus and Piers Nivens in radically different ways. Though there are many strains of C virus, there are only two means of infection. The first is through direct injection into the body, which normally creates a jabo. The second means of infection is exposure to the virus in fog-like form, which can be produced by both Lepotica and Haos. Well, that's new. Humans exposed to the virus in this matter become zombies. Zombies cannot infect others through bites, and like Javo, a mauling by either will only result in the individual's injury or death. This inability to infect through bites was discovered by Dr. Doug Wright during the 2012 Marhawa Desire case. C-virus causes extreme mutations in humans, though different strains can induce different kinds of mutations. The C-virus contains certain genes from Golgotha that allow it to revive the dead. As a result, if the virus is released within a gas, it can revive corpses as zombies and, if preserved well enough, this can happen centuries after their original death. Okay, that's incredibly new. Right. Another aspect taken from Golgotha is the ability to mutate into another organism after initial mutation, though it may do so by expressing genes from that particular strain. If a Javo is injured in their arms, they may develop a Ruka Vatangi. I don't know if I said that right. Mutation, which grows a new arm with traits of another animal. If a Javo has sustained too much damage, the virus's attempts to regenerate may instead create so much heat they self-immolate. So they will just spontaneously combust if it creates too much energy? If they take too much damage. Take too much damage. Ugh. Intelligence remains in hosts of a greater extent than T-virus strains. In Javo, they are capable of following orders received before mutation, as well as still retaining their knowledge of how to perform actions. For example, the Edonian rebels continue to fight the BSAA as they did the Edonian military through the use of firearms, tanks, and plates. As of 2013, the only known treatment for the C-virus is the anti-C-virus. While it is possible other iterations were made in the years after, the initial anti-C was only recommended in vaccination of people not yet infected with the virus. It had a low success rate in those immediately infected with the virus, while mutants like Javo and the complete mutants had a 0% survival rate. 
Wow. And that's all I have on the chrysalid virus. So it sounds like this virus would have been an exceptional weapon if it weren't for the vaccination. Sounds like it, yep. That's incredible. Uh, I I really like the fact that they can use it as a fog machine to infect people. (laughs) Works works real well. Raves. Oh, gosh. And haunted houses. And haunted houses, yeah. All right, Daniel, you have our next virus. Yes, it would be what they simply call the A-virus or the animality virus. Ooh. Yes. It is a genius... Sorry. It is a genus of progenitor virus, which was engineered as a bioweapon by a research team led by former CIA agent Glenn Arias. A virus is the cause of a disease similar to that of the T-virus called cannibal disease, wherein infected humans, dubbed zombies in quotes, because <laughs> I can't show listeners that, <laughs> experience violent tendencies, increased hunger to the point of cannibalism, and the deterioration of cognitive function. What sets the viral disease apart is the slower rate of cognitive deterioration with zombies capable of a degree of speech and coordination. Huh. Yeah, so now it gets a little weirder as they might be able to talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) No, come closer. I just want to eat you. I mean, talk. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just talk really close. (laughs) The history... When this viral research project began is presently unknown, though likely took place following the demise of Tricell, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. The research project was ultimately led by Glenn Arias, a former CIA agent who turned his coat after gaining influence in the bioweapons black market he was sent to infiltrate. Oh. Must have got a taste of that. Yeah. Criminal lifestyle. <laughs> Got a turncoat on her hands. Following a failed drone strike intended to kill him, Arius began plans to trigger a massive biohazard in the United States. Ooh. Talk about treason. During the research, Arius was able to broker a deal with the Spanish terrorist group Los Illuminados, who provided a Plaga sample for testing. Selecting the genes responsible for the parasite's control over the nervous system, Arias' team was able to create a modified T-virus that would mutate the host to become social creatures similar to Ganados, while outwardly behaving the same as the zombie victims of the cannibal disease. Huh. Ultimately, three strains were created to create a reliable weapon. The standard type 1 strain, which would be dormant until triggered by type 2 infection, in a type 3 strain that would mutate the host to possess the Plaga genes but not show zombie effects, preventing the user from becoming prey. Huh. So basically it's like um, like a vaccine on its own then at that point. It can be. Mm. The virology of it. The A-virus strains are regarded as group 6 retroviruses in the Baltimore classification and replicate by inserting positive sense single strained RNA into a cell along with the enzymes, reverse transcriptase, and retroviral integrase. The RT enzyme not found in animal cells will then transcribe negative sense single strand DNA 
using the invasive RNA as a template. Wow, they expect you to be a scientist to know what all this is. <laughs> Let's hear it in layman's terms. That's best as you're going to get from me. <laughs> Google is your friend. Using the cell's own RNA replicase, the viral DNA strand will create its positive sense counterpart, resulting in double-stranded DNA. The RI will then break down the three-prime end of the strand, as well as the cell's own DNA so they can be attached. The result is a cell with mutant DNA. The cell is now programmed to create the original viral RNA as well as the necessary enzymes and the capsid protein to protect this genetic material. So it sounds like it tries to mimic your original DNA while mutating it. That's odd. Yeah. Since it's keeping... Or no, sorry, not your own DNA. The virus's original DNA. Oh. Since it mutates the virus, it sounds like. Okay. As type 1A virus is known for its delayed effects, it is likely that it works via the exploitation of the lysogenic cycle. In this cycle, mutant DNA will replicate daughter cells as normal. These cells will have the viral DNA in their genome, but will not produce the virus. This cycle will continue until the mutant cells switch to the lytic cycle, wherein the virus is produced, destroying the host cell in the process. Triggering the triggering of the lytic cycle is brought on by chemical reactions in the body, which is achieved by a type 2 infection. This virus was able to spread as an airborne pathogen and was to trigger a reaction only in people infected with type 1. While this was intended means of triggering viral activation, it was known to happen spontaneously, as was the cause of the Great Lakes killings, which will be covered differently. Mm-hmm. The third strain is type 3, engineered as a means of preventing or reversing the violent and cannibalistic impulses typical to zombies. As type 1 and type 3 both insert Plaga DNA into the human genome, Zombies will ignore it will ignore type 3 mutants. And the last part is the vaccination. A vaccination to the A virus was developed at the Alexander University Institute by Dr. Rebecca Chambers with the assistance of her fellow researcher Aaron. And it looks like at the time that was just a prototype. And if you want to see what happens, watch the movie. <laughs> We're going to discuss the movie later anyway. Yes. So, and that's all I have on the A-virus. Okay. Well, that sounds like a perfect time to take our mid-break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, we all heard those gunshots. So it's time for the mid-break. So what has Ariel brought to the table this mid-break? Why do I always have to go first? Because. (laughs) So this is what I have today. Talking about the Resident Evil Reverse. Oh, I'm excited for this. I am, but it is delayed until (gasps) 2022. Oh my gosh. And it's been given a vague July launch window. So. It's been delayed a whole year. It has. 
They're saying it's because they want to deliver a smooth gameplay experience. I mean, fair enough. After everything has happened this year with video games, I mean, if they're taking the time to fix the things that they found that are broken, I think we can all agree we'd rather have a decent game release versus one that we have to continually have patched multiple times. Yeah, and I know it's mixed between everybody mm-hmm. about Reverse, but I am excited to play it. It's it's our version of a of a battle royale. <laughs> yeah, Reverse is a six-player deathmatch competitive yeah. multiplayer Resident Evil experience. I am ready for this. I'm ready to bust down doors as Nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like uh Leon well, of course I like Leon. No, <laughs> uh, Mr. X. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I feel Nemesis is a superior version of Mr. X. <sighs> well, <laughs> I mean, I like Nemesis too. Yeah, but. see, yeah. All right, Daniel, what'd you bring to the table? All right, and sticking with merchandise, which I have mostly been doing, <laughs> and apparently being drawn to Etsy. Oh. On Etsy, there is a store called Styx Potions. It's S-T-Y-X Potions. And they have a bunch of vials that you can purchase. Looks like you have to purchase them individually or you could probably purchase them all together. um, Where you can get the different viruses that they show. They have the Progenitor Virus, the T-Virus, Nemesis, the Antivirus, T-Veronica, the G-Virus... Las Plagas, but they have it as the eggs and not the parasite like the previous store did. The C-Virus, the T-Abyss, and the Ouroboros. So it looks like they have those and you can get that in either English label or French label. I want them. <laughs> I want them all. Right now it says $15.90 a piece, so get the saving. It's fine. It'll be worth it. It is pretty cool to see the people on Etsy creating such wonderful things with the Resident Evil, you know, just the Resident Evil genre. It is pretty cool to see a lot of those. I mean, Etsy itself is pretty cool. Well, yeah, but. So we can post that later if you would like to see that a website or the actual images. Mm-hmm. And again, it's Styx Potions, S-T-Y-X Potions on Etsy. Okay, yeah, we'll post it in Discord and on Twitter. And I have brought, thanks to, uh, yet again, another one of our fans. Um, This one comes to us from Goose underscore is underscore me on our Discord. And we've been talking about the airsoft guns for such a long time. Brought to our attention was the fact that you can actually order, if if you're into the real guns... You can order pieces to create your own samurai and other various handguns from the game. Um, it's pretty cool. I'm looking at it. They're, they're pretty costly, but um, you can even get an RPD ID plate for your guns, which is pretty cool in my eyes. I mean, I like, I like it. You like guns. <laughs> I like guns. <laughs> I don't have any, but I like them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you've got different coins you, or medallions you can choose to go into handles. Um, it's it's pretty cool. It's at collectordesignworks.com. And works is spelled weird. Um, it is spelled W-E-R-K-S. And that is another one we'll post 
well, it's already posted in the Discord, actually. So if you guys are interested in looking at those things, uh, just go to our Discord. It's at the Robots Radio Discord. But on that note, I think it's time to get back into our viruses. All right. So our next virus is brought to you by Ariel. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) This one is the Cadeau. Ooh. Cadeau is a species of genetically engineered organisms developed in Eastern Europe. The Cadeau were created by nematodes exposed to the mold and were visually similar to the black god that lay at the heart of the fungal super colony. Huh. They were the brainchild of Mother Miranda, a mutant who sought to create a counterpart that would become host to a preserved copy of her daughter's conscious mind. Human experimentation with Cadeau was extensive, though largely unrewarding, with many hosts either dying or turning into lichens. Ah. Werewolves. Mm-hmm. Over time, however, at least eight test subjects survived on with superhuman abilities and began aiding Miranda in pursuing parallel research, being themselves unsuitable as hosts for Ava. The daughter. Yep. (laughs) So, Cadeau, like the Black God, assimilate the DNA of a host and will alter the host to incorporate DNA from other organisms they have assimilated. The location of implantation varies, though it is uncertain if any change results from this. Both head and abdominal surgery were were methods used. Any foreign DNA within the host's body could also be assimilated by the Cadeau and spliced into the host genome. Examples include the Dimitrescu daughters who took on the ability to transform between mutant humans and fly swarms. And the Varkalak, who were humans contaminated with wolf blood. Cadeau implantation can be very dangerous for the host and often results in death within days. Those that do survive may turn into mutants such as lichens, who were seen as failed adaptations in her superhuman project. I don't know, it doesn't seem like quite a failure to me. They were I know. They were pain to kill. <laughs> Cadeau are also noted to be able to control subcolonies of their own and are able to survive when bisected. In the case of Donna Beneviento, the half in her body could control the other half planted within her doll Angie and was able to make the doll move on Beneviento's command. After contaminating the plants in her garden, Beneviento was also able to produce hallucinogenic pollen and influence its effects on enemies. Both the Angie Cadeau and the plants died following the death of Beneviento, who was stabbed in the head where her Cadeau was. Brutal. (laughs) Yep, and that looks like that's all. Not very much. Very short one. Yeah, so basically, to sum it all up... The Cadeau seems like it was a virus that was implanted physically. Seems like it, yeah. It's more parasitic than it was virus. If it had to be implanted through surgery. Yeah. So, especially since you could 
target it, like they discussed in the end when they stabbed her in the head. Seems like it was more of a parasitic kind of version of the next and final virus that we're going to discuss, the mold. Woohoo. Yes. The mold is a fungal superorganism which was discovered by Miranda in an Eastern European village in the early, in the early 1900s and developed by the Connections in the 1990s as part of their bioorganics weapon research. The purpose of weaponizing the mold was to create a means of mind control with genetically engineered human mentally controlling others. Hmm. So as it was stated, the mold was first discovered by Miranda in the village located in an Eastern Europe mountain range when she tried to commit suicide after the death of her daughter. After coming into contact with the mold, which infected her through her skin upon touching it, she began to experiment with the fungal substance. She quickly learned that the mold not only stored genetic information, but also memories of assimilated organisms. Seeing this as a chance to bring her daughter back, she started implanting villagers with mold in an attempt to create the perfect vessel and eventually creating her own derivative of the mold known as the Cadeau Parasite. She also gave the connections a sample of the mold so that they could develop their own BOWs in 2000 in a joint project with HCF to develop, to develop a new form of bioweapon, presumably using their research as a way to support support her own in creating the perfect vessel. It was a success in terms of a bioweapon since it could turn enemies into allies or hostiles into servants, eliminating the cost of sheltering prisoners of war and even combat, gathering negative attention from the biomarket bioweapon market. Let's see fabrication and results. To fabricate the mold its genome would be introduced to a pre-stage 4 human embryo under cultivation over a period of 38 to 40 weeks. To ensure blending into crowded populations without effort, these humans were always female and were artificially aged to the appearance of a 10-year-old. Hmm. Over several years, five lines of human BOWs were created, each better able to control the mold than the last and blend into human society. Each was given a letter to number designation to determine their position in the line starting from A to E. And in this case, we'll talk about the E type, which the prototype E is E-001, otherwise known as Evelyn, which she showed remarkable abilities. Another astonishing feature was that Evelyn was capable of profound imposition over the body and mind of those personally chosen to be living hosts of the mold. The creators of the bioweapons theorized that the mind control was possible much like much alike the action of an auto-inducer pheromones used for quorum sensing in Pseudomonas bacteria, while other sources attribute to uh, attribute it to chemical transference of psychotropic compounds via skin-to-skin -skin contact. In further analysis of Evelyn's abilities, she was immediately able to induce visual hallucinations and made infected subjects see images of her despite not being present, and was able to bend their will from a distance. Desires for companionships or requests for assistance would soon become more extreme, leading demands of self-mutilation or hostile behavior. 
Infected individuals were also subject to auditory hallucinations ranging from her talking and humming to a crowd of whispering and even to sounds of like a piano playing. These hallucinations could be used by the E-type to drive the victim insane and the psychological shock helped break down the mind's natural barriers and open the way to Evelyn's brainwashing abilities. The Infection The E-type is capable of creating organisms from the micella, the fungal filaments, although organism is used loosely by researchers. Beings created from the E-type's micella are technically superorganisms formed of countless micella, which makes them stronger and more resilient than other types of creatures. So basically, it's a bunch of the mold patched together makes one creature. Hmm. The fungal filaments, which the E-type is able to vomit out of its body at will. Gross. <laughs> are responsible for the infection of other individuals and fungal masses are extremely resistant to attack and highly toxic. Researchers refer to these superorganisms super as the molded as they are both made out of mold, but also molded as in shaped. As Evelyn was the first and only E-type subject before the events of Resident Evil 7, the reports taken in consideration the effects caused by her actions. Let's see here. Initial infection. According to the infection report, the initial infection occurs when the mold ingests nutrients from the subject's body to propagate itself and slowly takes over cells within the body, causing remarkable regenerative abilities as a side effect. Infected subjects are capable of reattaching legs and arms within minutes if severed, and this effect can be compounded with use of first aid med which causes spontaneous cellular regeneration. Which we do get a chance to see that in, I believe, 7 and 8. I believe so. I know for a fact in 8. Because Ethan does it a couple times. A couple? Let me just pour this uh, (laughs) liquid over myself, and hey, I'm healed. Way to spoil things. (laughs) (coughs) This is due to the fungus secreting a telomerase like enzyme through the cell walls causing an abnormal activation of the ERK pathway that forces cell division to regenerate damaged tissue, although repeated cell division quickly leads to breakdown of the intercellular structure. So basically, what it sounds like it's saying is the more you do it, the weaker the area is going to be. Yes. I would uh, Probably unless you so much time passes, it yeah. doesn't specify. And it says, however, not every subject possesses the same healing capabilities as within the game. There's a couple examples. Mentally infected subjects still maintain control over their minds and have little to no physical changes. Then there's mid-stage infection. Once the bowl reaches the brain, a mental connection is made with the E-type asset allowing the infected to experience the aforementioned hallucinations, including images of the asset and hearing voices. This can lead to hostile behavior, and eventually the infected becomes so connected with the E-type that a process of losing its individuality starts, losing all sense of ego. The infected acquire other abilities, including heightened senses, superhuman strength, and the ability to create or control bugs, as seen as examples in Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. Then there is complete infection. 
After every cell in the body has been taken over by the mold, the subject begins to lose their human form. Physi physical mutations differ from case to case, but all result in him or her acquiring incredible physical strength. Containing a subject in the state is considered to be extremely difficult. Insanity and severe mutations are caused by ingestion of the highly psychotropic mold, and there is some indication that the use of the mold could revive the recently deceased. And then mostly this is treatment here. The only known cure to infections caused by the mold is a serum, which is produced by using samples of the E-type's body tissue, creating a unique fun fungicidal serum that is capable of destroying the micella within the cells of any subject infected by the E-type bioweapon. However, if the subject is already heavily infected, injection of the serum will be fatal. Then effects of the serum. The purpose of the serum is to kill any cell that has been infected with the mold by causing the micella within them to calcify. Those in the initial stage of infection are at low risk of health complications as their bodies are not yet largely invaded by the mold. However, since the treatment window is so small, those in the later stages of infection will partially or entirely calcify be calcified upon injection. For that reason, the fungicidal serum's primary use is disposal of affected subjects rather than a cure. Hmm. Looks like the last part here is there's an E ne necrotoxin. In exploring the serum's potential, a currently unknown process is capable of enhancing its effects to extreme potency, becoming com a compound known as the E necrotoxin. Even in small amounts, according to an R&D report, there seems to be an unknown effect due to, due to the censorship in that document. And let's see here. And it looks like in this case, instead of calcifying the subject, it actually merged the subject into nearby mold to create a new body. Huh. So it had kind of the opposite effect. So it looks like if you get infected by the mold, it, you better get the serum quick. Sounds like it. You know, the one thing I I find the mold to be the most fascinating out of all of these, purely because the way it acts on its own is the, seems to be the same way it acts when infecting another person. So prime example, the E-type was able to slowly take over a host's body. And during that time frame, it basically hive-minded it is what it sounded like. Eventually, their thoughts will become its thoughts and so on and so forth. Where more like the anybody in the vicinity of the host would then be connected. See, yeah, as I'm saying, like it branches it even further. And essentially, it seems like the mold becomes a stronger version of itself in the E-type, which is incredible. And the whole calcification process, we actually get to see that in eight when defeating enemies the enemies actually become calcified which is actually pretty cool too mold is just disgusting <laughs> right well we have reached the end of our episode and I am super excited for the next episode because we are going to start getting into the actual games and history in chronological order of the Resident Evil franchise starting with I believe Zero. Yes. Uh, no, negative. We're starting with four. <laughs> That's not chronological. <laughs> uh, but yes, we are going to discuss in depth Zero 
the events of Zero and the characters involving Zero in this next episode. So we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. What up to Night City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a cyberpunk red live play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Eh, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Swooping.